it is the season finale. Whoa, whoa. Did I do it again? Did I do it again? Is someone else's audio coming in? Okay, it's, it's good. We're good. I'm going to say, again, it is the season, not the series finale of Loki, which is super exciting. The big bad of phase four rears his adorably nose head. A, a deadly choice was made, which we will be debating the merits and morality of here in a minute. And the multiverse of chaos is officially born in the MCU. Welcome to the MCU pod, I, a companion podcast to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Grant Davis. Mike is is out. He's out of the timeline now. I, uh, you know, something tripped and uh, he disappeared. But in his place, we have uh, a great crew of MCU fanatic friends. And we're excited that all of you could join us. Uh, once again, we're joined by uh, our buddy and indie comic artist, Will Cardini. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. The uh, world-renowned uh, televixen and uh, TV critic extraordinaire, Melissa Germanti. Hi. And, of course, our, our resident um, MCU extreme fanboy and, yeah. uh, and, 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 and our resident lawyer, I always like to say, uh, just to make you liable for anything I say. Oh, great. I, every time I say it, you go, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's like, I'm like, oh man, current liability. I don't like liability. <laughs> I don't know how this works. All I know is you told me I have to say this so that I cover my ass. Hello, <sighs> oh, guys. Uh, the finale happened, and it was not a small finale. I mean, I think there's things one can say about whether or not they they loved it or uh how it plays out as um a, a, an individual story but no one can deny that this has extreme ramifications for the rest of the MCU and it's it's very exciting that the trigger's been pulled and there's there's an explosion a literal explosion in space uh of of what this the ripples of of this finale are going to be so I'm extremely excited to get to talk to, about this with all of y'all. Um, a little bit of house cleaning before we do that. Uh, you guys know how to uh, you know, subscribe and do all the stuff for supporting us. Do want to say, though, that we are doing this live over on YouTube. And if you want to engage with us, we are excited to have you, uh, you know, all of y'all chime in over in the comments. You can talk with us directly as we're uh, discussing this. And you are rolled in and included in the in the discussion process because we can... We can pop up uh, your your comments just like this. Uh, you know, we can th we can throw those comments right on the screen. So if you're listening to us on the audio form, we encourage you to go check us out when we do our live shows Friday nights currently um, uh, at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. We'd love to have you come join us over there. I was going to say I'm, I'm hesitating because I think most of the shows are going to be start roll out on Wednesdays, mm -hmm. as did Loki and Maybe we should switch to have it a little bit more timely, but I don't know. I don't know. Nope, don't try it again, Grant. Don't try it again. <laughs> I did try this and it didn't work out. I would actually argue against making it like right that night because like I used to do reviews, like movie reviews after screenings, and sometimes your brain needs some time to, to sort of gel on things to come to a conclusion. Because like I would give my opinion, and then like a few days later, I'd be like, oh, I don't really agree with that anymore. That's that's why it's it's not a, a well-formed opinion. That's uh, why what we give is snap judgments. 
it's 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 impulsive and it might not be yeah, yeah we're not holding you liable for it that's all that's all um all right well we discussed all that, you know, Patreon and YouTube and all that. You guys know. Um, let's just go ahead and jump into this episode because there's a ton of stuff to talk about. And I've been arguing with people on Reddit all week about this. The sixth and final episode of season one of Loki is called For All Time Always. It's a very emo title. It's written by Michael Waldron and Eric Martin. It was directed once again by Kate Heron, who directed all of the first season. And the synopsis, according to IMDb, is... The clock is ticking in the season finale, which finds Loki and Sylvie on a date with destiny. Ah, that's a good one. Uh, we start this discussion like we start every episode with what we were just discussing. Some snap judgments. All right. Who wants to start? Um, Melissa. Uh, Sure. Well, snap judgment. I thought it was perfect. I absolutely loved that it didn't tie the storyline up in a neat little bow at the end, which they probably could have done even and still had it lead into other things. I like that it left things like it left us all questioning, like, oh God, where is this going to go? Um, Jonathan Majors, give him all the awards next year, Emmy time. I think him and uh, Sophia DiMartino are definite shoe ins for nominations for Emmys next year at this time. And um, some of the theories we've discussed in previous episodes came to fruition so i was pretty stoked by all that that never happens for me (laughs) (laughs) it was extremely exciting yeah and that's all i'll say for now okay okay uh elliot what were you thinking i I, you know i really enjoyed it it's it's weird like i i'm loki i'm of i'm of two minds about the entire series of loki because i enjoy it but it's just not my favorite flavor it's like it's like i had ice cream but I had like strawberry ice cream. And I'm like, this is very good strawberry ice cream. This ended very well, but it's just not my favorite. So like, I'm trying to separate the criticism. Uh, it was very, very well done. I thought Loki's arc was really, really well done. And introducing that villain and giving him just almost a half an hour of an introduction time, if he's going to be that much of a focal point for at least phase four and probably phase five, I thought was very good. Um, and I thought it was just a good conclusion to the series. You felt some, not a conclusion, but a conclusion to the se- to the season. You felt some closure. They left a lot open, and they even put a, they even put questions to you that you can like sort of tease out in your own life, which I love in media. So I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was. Uh, I give it like four out of five. Okay. Um, I, I just gotta say that strawberry is my favorite ice cream. Oh, God. so. <laughs> I, I feel this all tracks. <laughs> I, thought, I thought your favorite ice cream would be like beer flavored, like some IPA ice cream. Oh my God. That sounds awful. <laughs> like try this. It's so bitter. I want my ice cream and my beer separate. Uh, beer floats. Beer floats though. Guinness and vanilla ice cream. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Get a good or- spout. Mm, loving mm-hmm. it. Will, what's your snap judgment? My snap judgment is that I had some vegan 
lavender honey ice cream tonight. Mm-hmm. And it was so good. It was so good. And uh, But we're not talking about WandaVision here. We're talking about... Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. So <laughs> Loki, which is yeah. very... Loki was great. I loved it. It This show definitely like is the kind of superhero storyline I'm into. And I, I just thought they did a really good job of opening up this whole new vista to explore of all these multiverses. And Jonathan Majors, just, I loved him and loved Craft Country. And he did a great job here, uh, just really giving a lot of character to, I'm just going to call him Kang. I don't care what anyone else says. He's Immortus Kang. King. He, yeah. he remains. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm also really excited that they brought it back to the TVA because I just love the set design of that. And so I'm looking forward to seeing more of more of that and maybe explore more of how that works. Cause I still have a lot of questions that I would love to see more behind the scenes. And really the only, my only negative mark is that there were no jet skis. <laughs> well, they gave us a season two, which is an apology for no jet skis. I think they know, they know what there's, they're doing. there's still time for jet skis. Uh, I mean, I, I'm right there with with um, the more positive of y'all. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought that there, if if this was a series finale, it would have once again dropped the ball. And I think it's a weird thing to ask um, the audience to sit there while a brand new character that you've never met before gets to sit and monologue for, like Elliot said, 30 minutes. But um, the fact that he nailed it and he put on a um, Dark Knight Joker-esque performance full of uh, bizarre idiosyncrasies and, and weirdness that made it captivating while we sat there and listened to all of this is, is just a, a, a testament to um, incredible acting um, and, uh, and a, a really well thought out um, uh, villain for opening up the floodgates for what phase four is as well as as setting up a a very interesting question and debate of um who was right between loki and sylvie with their actions which um is definitely something i want to uh get into and talk about with you guys but before we do that um our audience also had some snap judgments i want to hit and hit on some of those james worms just simply said i loved it Nicole Jackson says, how much power does Miss Minutes really have? And yes, I think that's something we should also uh, get into. I'm told I should not argue on Reddit, but well, which is, you know, that's actually just sound advice. Uh, that guy says, um, it was King. I repeat, it was King. The YouTube theorist, theorists got one. Got one right. <laughs> can, can I jump in just real quick on, yes. on the beer? The thing that makes this show a hundred times better one of the things that make it a hundred times better than Game of Thrones is that they is that they were like, hey, the YouTube theorists might and the Reddit theorists might might guess this. We should just they didn't go, let's avoid it so nobody knows what happens. They said, okay, well, let's just make sure that even if they know what's gonna happen, we make it really good. Right. They didn't just go, I don't want people to guess my story. Man. I, I don't know if everyone who guessed that they thought it was going to be Kang also guessed that it would be he who remains or that, that, that those characters be one in the same. They thought if it was going to be Kang, it was going to be the 
much more diabolical evil ha 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 i'm controlling yeah. it all right we're, we're i mean but even so i feel like you know there there's going to be someone who guesses these things that's what uh, a collective um intelligence of ideas is going to kind of pan out with so i you're right though i i think it was a good point um i'd love Sorry, to I really hate the game of thrones ending and i just it just <laughs> it burns me so much and i'm just so angry 100 percent. that's fair uh i'd loan says the actor for he who remains was amazing but it felt more like the end of act one than a season finale too many open threads well morris says i enjoyed that expo- i enjoyed exposition the series <laughs> uh john kelling says Immortus ate the hell out of that apple that entire conversation was captivating and yeah um, you know, I'm right there with all y'all. I, I think there's there's a lot of fun for we had a lot of speculation for what it could have been, and I'm glad that it didn't end up being um that it was another Loki at the end, honestly. I thought that might be a little bit weird. I'm glad that it wasn't Doctor Doom at the end. Uh I, there is something to be said for having it actually be Kang who is supposed to be the big bad and they might hold until Ant-Man Quantumania that um, they do really believe in the power of these TV shows being a part of the MCU instead of, you know, how they did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. dirty. (laughs) So dirty. They they just are like, ah, we don't really believe in you. You're not canon anymore. And like, it's crazy because it's like Sam Jackson shows up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There. <laughs> and Sif. And, and then, Sif. And then Kevin Feige's like, nah, not feeling it. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's jump in and talk first about the intro sequence because I thought there was something really interesting going on here where we, we start in space with all these... Um, audio tracks that are overlaying of one universe. Um, And then we cycle from that universe, which seems to be our universe that we've been watching all of our MCU people from all the, all the movies thus far. And we jump through a black hole into another universe. And once we go through that one, we start hearing um, audio clips from the TV shows, which makes it think that WandaVision and Loki both belong in a separate universe. That's not our universe. Um, before it kind of settles on Loki and Sylvie in um, in the void about to approach the castle. Uh, what did you guys make of that intro sequence? Um, Melissa, did you have thoughts on it? Um, not so much. I just kind of liked it weaving everything together and reminding people like when I heard the Wakanda forever, I got a little emotional. Um, But it was, it it was neat. And because it was kind of like it piggybacked off of like the opening credits, like they did that so seamlessly. So it almost felt like an extended credit sequence. So I thought that was kind of neat. I hadn't noticed though, like that you mentioned Grant about the, uh, the uh, TV shows being kind of contained on their own separate from the films. I hadn't noticed that, but that's kind of clever too. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a, gr- sure. I, it, it was a great start. And uh, I was like, I was like hooked. I'm like, yes, give me more. 
more now. <laughs> I it it almost you know with the interlacing of um, you know actual people you have like Neil Armstrong you have Greta uh, Thunberg um, quotes from you know different people from our our reality interspliced there. Um, I wasn't sure if the insinuation was that our our version of the universe also was like existing within these realms, and it could have been those quotes were happening from our televisions, you know, and like, what, what if the idea is more of um, the MCU exists as a, a series of films um, in one universe. And in the other one, we get to the quotes from Loki and them. And it's like, no, those characters are real. And in that multiverse, um, I don't know, crazy theories. Uh, I, but, but uh, the idea that it, it who knows? Who knows when when they play with the multiverse, what direction they want want to go? No, it's um, it's interesting to hear that because like I didn't I didn't get that at all. But it's interesting because like I just thought it was just a really good way to sort of get you right into the episode. Like hmm. if you're sort of like if you if you just if you have a hard time sort of getting invested, it just was like it puts you right in. But I didn't I didn't I didn't sort of see that. But then again, I'm more of a take what you you see on the surface kind of guy with media because like my head starts hurting when it's like let's read a lot into it and i'm lazy so that's 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 part of it, it it's possibly not that but uh okay if, if let's jump onto the hit back into the void we're in the void and they've they've crossed the the green uh veil the the rubicon into the castle the evil um castle and it feels very haunted and then, and then Miss Minutes pops up. Did any of you guys jump? Oh, you... I did. <laughs> What'd you think of Miss Minutes, Elliot? I was like, I watched it right at 2.05. And like, I had just finished working. Uh, so like, I was like tired, but I was like, I want to watch this now so that Twitter doesn't spoil it for me. And I was just like, okay, okay. And I, ju I jumped like a foot off my couch. <laughs> nice. The scariest moment is, a, is an animated orange clock. Um, she strikes. She tries to strike a bargain with them, and I've, I've heard a lot of um, suggestions about the idea that uh, that Jonathan Majors's character eating the apple was um, uh, a parallel to like uh, the Garden of of Eden, and um, the the temptation of the apple, and and um, if, if that's the case, uh, some people have suggested Miss Minutes was the snake saying, "Hey, you know what? I can offer you power. I can offer you." Uh, Thanos defeating Thanos, having the Infinity Gauntlet, all of that, um, and this was this was much more a temptation for Loki than it was for Sylvie, but it also was a good a good setup for driving the wedge of conflict. I think between them later. Uh, Will, what were you what were you taking from that? The thing it really made me think about is, you know who is Miss Minutes? Like, is she just uh, something controlled by he who remains? Or is she like an AI? Like what? Wh and then later, you know, he's like, oh, she calls me he who remains, you know? And that makes me just think like, does she have her own distinct personality? Like how does she relate to everything that's going on here? Right. Um, yeah, I'm really starting to get this sense that Miss Minutes is not AI, that she is sentient and is 
probably pulling a lot more of the strings than we think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. She's probably like she's probably like the real administrator of the TVA. She just sort of guides the current one to where they need to be. Um, but from that specific scene, one thing I I love that Loki seems so angry. He was like, I've been putting up a lot of bullshit, and you think I just want that now? Like you think I it's like it's like he's just offended that people think he that people think he can't grow. It's like I can grow, I can change. I'm not just this fucking worm, guys. Like let me let me grow. Well, man, okay, let's just let's jump into the biggest topic. Okay. Uh, Sylvie versus Loki. They get into the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's appealing to um, taking more time debating this, but but honestly, he's he's appealing to um, not killing King or not killing Amortis, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sylvie's like, Nah, dude. My entire drive has always been kill him. Um, where do you guys side on this? Do you think that? Do you think one betrayed the other? Um, and who do you think was right? Go. Hell yeah. If this is going to drive you crazy because it's the way I separate a lot of things, like Civil War. Like, I think Sylvie, I think Sylvie made the right decision in the, in the long term, but she made it for the wrong reasons. Like, so okay. she was running a procedure. So Sylvie didn't make that the, that decision because she wanted the multiverse to be free, all that. She did it because she has lived a horrible life because of the TVA, and she wanted revenge, which is completely valid. Whereas Loki didn't want the throne. He was he was actually just trying to think it out. He's like, well, what if the next guy is horrible? And But when you think about it, you can't make decisions. In life, you can't make decisions based on fear. Like Even if you have to go through a shitty time, even if the multiverse is a war, it's better to learn that lesson and come out the other side than to just go, well, I guess we got to go with this thing because he says it's fine. Like, it's better to you grow that way. Right. And so I agree with both of them, but I agree with the ultimate decision to kill Kang or Immortus because you got to you got to see what happens. You can't just be like, well, I guess this is the way it is. We're just going to erase entire universes. Well, Melissa, either you have uh, counter thoughts. I think it was I think it was rash. I think it was uh, ill considered decision to kill him. I mean, I don't think that they should have taken over the TVA either, but I, you know, I think taking his story at face value is a mistake. Like, this guy's told so many lies. You know, how can you trust that this is really it? But I also, killing him seems like, you know, he was past the point where he had the script or whatever, right? Like, there were other things they could have done to get more information before potentially causing so much havoc. Maybe, or so he says. So he says he's passed his script. They didn't even test that. I mean, y- you don't know. You're. My thought is, Sylvie was right. Sylvie was right, and she talked to Loki, and Loki assured her he had her back. He would not betray her in the last second. And what happened? In the last second, he decided. Hey, you know what? We need to we need to stop and think about that because um Sylvie, you're a grown adult, but I don't trust you to make your own decisions because I've I I have come to a different conclusion than you. No, but that's no. not betrayal. That's not betrayal. It is a betrayal. He was supposed no, to it's be not. If, is, if he was gonna tag along. 
I think that if he was going to tag along, uh, then uh, she brought him along to have her back. And uh, him waffling in the last minute when he knows her her drive is is vengeance for... I mean, he didn't have the same life experience. She was plucked um, from from her innocence in her youth and then for thousands of years hiding in, in the crevices for like vengeance. That was her drive. And if he wanted to tag along, she says, don't betray me in the last second. In the last second, he pulls a knife out to fight her rather that's than her. No, her no, 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 no. That's not betrayal. Like he disagreed and he all he wanted to do was talk about it. And she's like, nope, we got to kill him right now. Because here's the thing. We'll put it. We don't know if he's telling the truth. Like one of the worst, one of the best things you can do when you're trying to control an argument is control the question. So he controlled the framing of that entire thing. He said, you got to do it right now. Why? Why do you got to do it right now? Why can't you wait a few minutes? He's still there. You can still kill him with a knife. You still got the knife. What was the harm in literally taking 10 minutes and going, okay, so if because you don't know the right situation, now? how the situation might change. You don't know. She has the opportunity there and she I, she doesn't owe it to him to listen to Loki and and wait the few minutes because but Loki the, doesn't the, owe it to her. Minutes is a stalling tactic. But Loki doesn't owe it to her. This is an emotionally unstable person who was plucked, like you said, from childhood. Who you're going to trust to make decisions for the entirety of the known and unknown universe? Mm, she's not, and she she doesn't. She's not culpable for other evils being unearthed by this because it's an unreliable. It's an unreliable narrator. She doesn't She's know. Totally liable. She did it. The one thing she knows is that Kang or Immortus, whichever he who remains, is responsible for the, the fascist genocides and culling of timelines that ripped her from her existence. That's the one thing she's gone to the conclusion of when she gets to the end. She doesn't have any reason necessarily to believe that this guy's true about like there's going to be multiple other versions of me. And even if they are, her doing the right thing and ending ending a fascist tyrant doesn't mean she's responsible for other fascist tyrants rising up as a result. She may not look, she may not be right. able to be convicted, but it's a direct result of her action. It, well, then by that by the same extension of that logic, um maybe not that logic, but by the extension of uh our understanding of how events will likely play out. She's also the hero because um, her actions will cause the Avengers to be alerted and, and stop Kang ultimately, right? No, I'm saying, but she she she's on the hook for all of it. She made a decision, and she made it based on an artificial timeline and on emotion. And look, I think I think what she did was ultimately the right thing, but her method is complete shit. Hmm. I mean, I can I I understand what you're saying. I just I don't know. I'm 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 Team Sylvie here. I, I think. What do you think, Melissa? The more I think about it, the more I'm team Sylvie. Initially, I was like, oh, I can kind of see where Loki's coming from because, you know, he wants to, he's he's kind of being the politician. At, whereas Sylvie's being the general. Like, she's she has her mission. She is acting on it. And the more I think about it, I think Sylvie uh, made the right decision. Um, and one of the reasons I appreciate that so much is because so often... We don't get to see that, you know, that power wielded by a female character on TV. I think that it's, I think that's fantastic, first of all. But also, yeah, like, 
do you stick with the devil you know, or do you potentially unleash other devils? Like, who knows? Maybe one of the things they unleashed is going to solve everything. Like, who knows? Um, so yeah, the, the more I think about it, I'm more, I'm more team Sylvie when it comes to this. Um, but it, on my first viewing, I was like, oh, why did she do that? Like, so I, I've been like toggling with it all since, since Wednesday as well. And on my like third viewing, then I was like, no, 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 Sylvie did the right thing. Um, and especially because of all the story possibilities it opened up too. I'm, I'm loving the comments we're getting. Listen to the lawyer, Grant. <laughs> uh, John Kelling says, Team Immortus. Uh, Will says, Team Loki. Team Drama. Ooh. Mm. Team Loki. And uh, yeah, um, James Worm says, Loki didn't have a plan and there was no time for one. Mm. So, I mean, I, Will, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I think that, you know, if we're going to talk about philosophically, like, am I in favor of free will, even if there are bad consequences, or am I in favor of a fascist time traveling organization, destroying whole universes and killing billions of people? I'm definitely in favor of the free will, like no matter the consequences. Well, we'll I just set it up with the other <laughs> option is the fascist. We don't know how bad it can get though. Right. But isn't it better to, you know, be make that make your own choice and see, you know, live with the consequences than not no, getting to make the choice at all? I agree with you. Like I, I think it was the right choice. But I also agree with you that they could have taken half an hour. I get a coffee. Right. Yeah. Take a second. Take a beat. That's what I was gonna say. Like you know, I'm saying like ultimately, yes, I think that you know, fr freeing the multiverse was th the right choice, but. You know, I don't think it had to be achieved by killing a guy right there. Here's a question. If if you have a a thousand years of of hiding in apocalypses to think over the different scenarios in which you might might find yourself, um, do you think maybe you've you've you have taken enough time to think, uh, yeah, I'm gonna kill Amortis? I mean, maybe you don't come to you never in a thousand years come to the idea of like that's going to be what's at the end of the castle. But, you know, I, I it just feels insulting for Loki. Uh, this this last minute tag along on her uh, mission of vengeance to be like, hey, let's think about this. And it's just like, hold up, dude, who's who's all puppy dog love all over me. I have thought about my vengeance. I, I, I can also hear the explanation of what Immortus just told me, and I can make my grown-up decision that no, I'll put a dagger in his heart. But, 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 here's, but here's the problem. You have a standing problem because they both have an equal standing to this decision. Just because she got plucked out of obscurity and, and got and a, had, just because she had a horrible thing happen to her hmm. does not give her more right to make that decision. At that point, they're the only two in that room. They have equal right to this decision. Like, I don't care how they got there. I don't care that she brought him along. If it's about the entirety of creation, I don't care if somebody brought me along. Like, granted, if you brought me along and we're and we're in the entirety of, of, of creation and it's, it's up to us, I'm going to be like, well, I, I'm going to have a say too now. I don't care that you brought me along. That's a fair point. I actually can't debate that one. I agree with you. And the TVA was going to kill Loki too, right? So, I mean, he 
you know, he was also wronged by them, right? I mean, they did the same thing to him. Sure, it lasted a lot longer for her, you know, and was more terrible. But it, he he also had a reason to think, you know, dislike the TVA. I don't know. Right, right. Hmm. I mean, the TVA is horrible. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> TVA, it's, and you would hope that you make that decision and you're like, look, maybe we can hope for something better because the last thing I think Loki would ever want is to be in charge now because his arc has put him past that. Right. Right. It, it does seem that if we, if we take this genuinely, that he is a person that is able to be selfless at this point. He's, he, he cares more for Sylvie than he does his own riches and rewards. And he has those presented to him on a platter and still says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in this with her. And they, they get the romantic kiss, even. Um, yeah, if, if you've tortured me for it, if, if you torture somebody that I even sort of like for a thousand years, I don't want you having a quick death. I want it like, let, let's put let's put you through some things. Let's make let's make you do taxes. I don't know. Like, she, make did, you do some work. she did stab him in the gut. It seems like a Mr. Pink and Reservoir Dog situation where he, he might bleed out for a while. I don't Still, know. Like, there's more that needs to happen to that guy if, you, well, if she was running for a thousand years. Here's a question then for you guys. Um, when Immortus or uh, he who remains, um, you just call him her. <laughs> when uh, when the paper when when he pulls up the papers and he's saying, "Oh, at this point, I don't know what happens after this." Do you believe that? And if you do, why do you think he couldn't see beyond at that certain point? It just makes no sense. Like that is what I've been thinking about for the past two days. It's like, what, where did, who's writing these scripts? You know, is Miss Manners writing these scripts? Like how would he, has he like lived this moment before and then something happens and now he doesn't know anymore. I mean, it just doesn't, that whole thing to me, I thought it was clever because it's like, he's handing them the TV show script, you know? So it's kind of like meta and that was cool, but I don't, it, I don't think it stands up to scrutiny. He also seems to be offering them a false sense of free will in the moment, right? Mm. Whereas, you know, I I also feel like he was subtly driving the tension between them. Like he he even like, you know, mocks Sylvie and, and calls out Loki, you know, and tries to point out the differences between them to almost force that conflict to force the ultimate decision that he would die and unlock something bigger, which makes me wonder a little bit if this version of King, if, if quite clearly this version of King has no um, love or affection for the alternate versions of himself. Did this one finally figure out that the key to um, ending all other Kangs was to have this iteration of, of, Loki and Sylvie show up at his doorstep and kill him in order to um, uh, be the uh, the starting point for a Avengers 5, essentially, is what I'm saying. Like, did he see the vision of that future, just like our Doctor Strange saw the end of uh, Endgame? You know what, Grant? I know I've been coming against you a lot this time, but I think you're completely right. Like, I think that, I think that that's exactly what it is. Like, because it doesn't make sense that he wouldn't know what happened. Like, he was definitely manipulating them, but it might be a situation where he's, like, tired of being the caretaker, and he's like, 
plotted it out of like, okay, if I can get them here and they kill me, that's going to set off this chain of events that will end all the Kang bullshit. Right. Like that's, that's what it, it kind of felt like. And, and him saying, Oh, I don't see where the script goes after this is giving them that, that illusion of, you know, this, we have the autonomy on our decision here and we can mm-hmm. own that, which is, is crucial for season two and Ant-Man three. And then everything else. I don't know. What so I just, I get a meta question. How do we know all this information about Kang being the villain for phase four? Have they announced all that? Because I didn't, I didn't know that going into this. Yeah. They, they announced that Kang would be the villain of Ant-Man three quantum mania. Um, and then I think it's just been kind of assumed that since Kang is such a high profile villain, that he will ultimately also be the villain for uh, the fifth Avengers movie, which has not been titled or announced really. Yeah. I don't think they want to make the same mistake they made with Ultron, especially when they called it age of Ultron. Like they don't want to underplay an Avengers villain again. Mm. So they're trying to give him like the proper amount of like at the end where you see that Kang statue, I was like straight up scared. I was like, I was scared in that moment more than I am in most horror movies. Like, (laughs) uh, Shit. I was like, bro, uh, you got a statue. What, what, can I get you something? Like a That's coffee. So intimidating. Like when it used to be the timekeepers, I just found it comical, amusing. I'm like, oh, which which wanker came up with this? It just seemed like, <laughs> you know, some artist who's like, who? Let me pretend this, you know. But seeing that iteration in the TVA was like chilling. It was. It like reminds me of like Cold War era stuff that I've watched, like that almost kind of Soviet feel. And it was it was creepy. It was totally creepy. Yeah, it's like, you know, where you can't like you can't remember the name of the previous leader, because if you say his name, you'll get killed. Everyone's just supposed to forget they existed, that kind of thing. And I I wonder, is it is it the um, the same TVA across all the multiverses or now they're multiple TVAs in multiple multiverses. That's the that's the idea I've gotten is that there are multiple TVAs only because um I think that when uh when Loki ends up at that TV I think that's an alternate one. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like a memory wipe. I think that this right. is an alternate version which, you know, maybe that tracks a little bit with the idea that um he who remains doesn't actually know um what the future was, you know, maybe he legitimately ran out of papers because when they met the threshold of enough um, splinter multiverses happening, then suddenly his his information was unreliable and or he didn't he didn't have any information. So when they open up the gate afterwards, that's not a gate back to the exact same TVA because there's no longer a singular timeline that could have punched through to any of them. And mm-hmm. apparently it went to one where not only does Mobius um, not have the same relationship with Loki, he straight up doesn't even seem to recognize Loki as a Loki, mm-hmm. which the implications there are that the Loki and whatever timeline that Loki, our Loki is in, isn't a a player within that TVA. Well, like, how cool would it be if the TVA that Loki went to at the end of the, at the end of the show was a TVA for us. Like that was mm. like our universe TVA. 
Yeah, it's just mundane things like, oh no, Trump shouldn't have been elected. We gotta go yank that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and yet we're stuck in that hell. <laughs> oh, I made myself sad. <laughs> um so given this is the final episode of the six episode series what did you guys think of loki's arc here as this is kind of the second iteration of the loki arc we've gotten given we had to jump back to 2012 to redo it um how, how do you compare this to the movie versions arc and then um just overall how do you feel and whoever wants to go first I love all versions of Loki. Um, I mean, and not just because it's Tom Hiddleston. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I just thought that this was uh, an interesting thing to explore, especially because it, the whole part of him like evolving and discovering his untapped potential and overcoming some of those hurdles in his own brain. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say that this is my favorite of the Tom Hiddleston Lokis, but it definitely let him do a bit more with the character, a little more of the emotional nuance and stakes that I've been longing for that I know from his other work that he's done. Um, so I really, I really like that part of it. Um, but I don't think I could pick a favorite. <laughs> That's fair. Um, Elliot, what do you think? Honestly, this is my favorite Loki. Like, so I, I can like, I didn't think that until like I didn't I wasn't I didn't really have that in my mind until you were talking about it, Melissa. Um, but it just feels like this is a Loki on. He's not hampered by four anymore. Like you, you know, having having a sibling, you can try your best to get out of the shadow of that sibling if you feel like you're in that shadow. But I mean, he's the god of thunder, and he, you know, he never was born to be the to to be the ruler of Asgard. And you know, you take him out of that toxicity almost and he can start developing on his own like so you know um owen wilson's character saying you know just in case nobody's ever told you you can be whatever you want to be even good or him being with sylvie and she and he's like i think we're more powerful than we thought like he's developing into a very self-actualized version of himself and he's fighting his own battles he's not reacting to thor and so i i think i just think he and, he, and, and like you said melissa it gives him more range to, to, to sort of be more than either petulant like like uh, Thor 1 or just a shit heel like Thor 2 or really <laughs> a funny trickster in Thor 3. Like he can just sort of, he or just a straight villain in Avengers. Like he can just, he can sort of be the hero. And it's just really cool to see. So like his is my favorite, this is my favorite Loki. Will? So I've got to put a caveat here that I've not seen Thor 2. So it's kind of like a hole in my perception of the other Loki arc. But I definitely, I would say that this is my favorite too. And that it's just been really interesting to watch him change. And also I think that a big part of what made it good for me was watching Mobius poke all these holes in him and his conception of himself, which you know doesn't really happen in the movies I've seen. You know, he's more just kind of like a foil for Thor and doesn't, now he's like on his own and we really get to see more of how he works and like how he as a villain sees himself as the hero, which I always think is interesting. Right. Um, so jumping over to the idea that now the 
Um, the multiverse is here. And that has ramifications for all of the MCU. Uh, I, I have an accompanying graphic here for us. Um, <laughs> uh, now all these characters are MCU canon. <laughs> um, but of course, you know, I'm, I'm shitting on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, uh, and Finn Jones because I don't like those two. <laughs> um, I think the idea that that we haven't seen, you know, the trailer yet for the third Spider-Man movie is because they were definitely holding off for Loki. And now that we have um, Loki out here and that the multiverse is, is out, I think it'll make a bit more sense for, uh, for MCU, you know, diehards like ourselves to, to understand that they are definitely saying that there's been a fracture and that as a result we can see Tobey Maguire. We can see Alfred Molina. We can see Andrew Garfield. We can see um, Jamie Foxx. All of them pop up in this third Spider-Man universe uh, film, and uh, it'll make sense. Um, a- additionally, we have the What If series, which is going um, on TV uh, August 11th, and that seems completely based on what uh if the multiverse exists there can be so many alternate iterations of our favorite characters and we can explore those storylines so um yeah th- this seems like it's gonna be a lot of fun elliot actually yeah to, uh, i saw a shirt because like I, i'm on like reddit um marvel studio spoilers and then somebody posted this a few months ago uh in spoilers there was a shirt that i think hot topic is going to be selling that says avengers of the multiverse that's like of like some of the some of the characters from the what if and they're all animated. So Ooh, like, okay. it's definitely something that they every show like the sequence that they've released these shows have made is has been important. So it's mm-hmm. like we gotta do WandaVision, then Falcon, then Loki, but we gotta have Loki before the rest of it because we gotta get the multiverse in. Like, Which you know, Doctor Strange too is uh into the 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 madness of the multiverse or whatever it's called. Um the multiverse of madness, I think, uh, you know, that, that one will have Dr. Strange and Wanda and Loki, like all in the same movie where it seems like Dr. Strange is cleaning up the mess that they've made. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was telling my wife, we were, we were watching before we started recording. Cause I wanted to just remind myself. I'm like, yeah, I just feel bad for Dr. Strange, bro. Just sitting at home, probably, you know, drinking a beer and is like, what, 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 shit something's happening and she's right. like well, he has the time stone I'm like no he doesn't that shit's gone he's sort of fucked right oh man you know there were all these theories at the beginning of the season when loki opens up the drawer um and sees all the time stones where you know he's he's like uh he maybe pocketed some and was going to be using them at, at later junctions when he would zip through the yellow doors. But that never came to fruition, as far as we know. But he does know that they exist now, and he could use that as part of the TVA. Loki Loki as a godlike being could probably wield that a bit better than, you know, Hulk or, um, or Iron Man, who, uh, you know, could not quite clearly uh, oh. handle using those. 
So I, I, I just wonder if that could uh, be a little bit more at play in the second season. And it could be, it could be really interesting to see the idea of like, what if it wasn't world domination with which you were using the infinity stones, but a little bit more casual, just clean up of problems here and there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're just going to keep things orderly. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting to think about. The other thing, um, when you were mentioning like some of the other characters um, in the upcoming uh, Doctor Strange, uh, I don't know if any of you have heard anything. I haven't seen anything further, but apparently they have confirmed that Catherine Hahn is going to be in more as mm -hmm. Agatha, but I don't know if they've actually announced what she's going to be in. I don't think they've announced what she's going to be in, but yeah, she will be. Yeah. I mean, technically the possibility is still there for them to have a second season of WandaVision. It's just, you know, that show and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they didn't announce more TV shows yet. Loki's the first one to say officially that they're going to do that. And props to you, Will, because last week you said that you thought no one believed me. I felt <laughs> so vindicated. <laughs> Even after the episode, you and I looked it up and we were like, we can't really find the confirmation there until. Yeah. And I was like, ah, there you go. There You're was right. a little bit of denial going on, though, from like the powers that be. So mm -hmm. they're trying to keep it a secret after it probably did get confirmed and they were like lining up a uh, crew and stuff for, for filming or whatever. So shenanigans on their part. <laughs> This is going back a little bit, but I just like I'm kind of going to be disappointed with Spider-Man 3's like all multiverse. We already have a multiverse Spider-Man movie that is fantastic. Like why why remake the wheel here? I just don't get it. Yes. Uh, and this is a shitty answer, Will, and I'm and you probably already know, but this is the most cynical shitty answer. Money. Exactly. Animated movies don't make near the money these live action movies make. They're like, this is a great idea. This is a great movie. Thank you. We're going to make 10 times the money. <laughs> Yoinks. Uh, we didn't talk about um, Renslayer and her interactions with, with uh, Mobius or her, her ultimate kind of uh, jump through the portal to find free will. Um, but we did I'm get, right here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did get the reveal that uh, she was a, essentially a, a principal in like 2018 in Ohio at a high school. And that was her job before she was plucked into uh, being part of the TVA. So um, any theories, any thoughts on, on Renslayer and, and her conflict and motivation there? Um, Melissa? I still don't, she still seems to be kind of on board with the TVA's mission, even after seeing other things and all of that. So it, I, I was almost wondering if like she's in search of proving that she's right. Or I don't know, like I, they didn't, that's like one of the storylines they didn't get into enough of in this episode that just kind of felt like if there was a, a dangling thread that wasn't like leading us in a specific direction, that would be the one. Yeah. It's a little bit vague, a little bit curious. Um, 
you know, there's also the other elements of her saying, like, you're not my only analyst. And who's this other analyst? Who are these other people that are bringing her things? What's the deal with the rings on the table? Uh, it, it felt like they're almost like building up a, uh, another a few layers of mystery with the character that then they shrugged and went, eh, we'll answer it next season. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. So uh, I, I don't know necessarily what to think about it, except that perhaps she was such a zealot that even if things changed in her understanding of the timekeepers versus Kang, there was something in her backstory where she was revealed exclusive information that us, the audience don't have that made her loyalty more devout than, you know, Hunter B-15 or any of the other um, agents. Or she's just one of those people who, you know, no matter how many facts are presented to them, they prefer their alternate, you know, those their people, alternate thoughts. That doesn't exist. <laughs> Come on. No, that, people wouldn't be like that. But what about Miss Minutes downloading some kind of file to her temp pad that was not the information she requested about the origin of the TVA. And it seemed like maybe something in there is what led her on her quest. I was expecting her to show up at the Citadel at the end of the time. And then, yeah, I felt like she was kind of a forgotten character, you know, and it's only later I'm like, well, wait, what, where did she go? Or was there something in that file that kind of like reprogrammed her? Like possibly. Right. Or man, I, I, yeah, there, there was that other element where Miss Minutes pops up and seems to share additional information with her before downloading a file. And was that in, uh, additional information something that reaffirmed her, her quest? It does. Are there other machinations afoot um, by uh, He Who Remains that were orders sent to her before he knew he would be assassinated? Layers on layers. Maybe she went to talk to Kang in the 31st century before all this. You know what I mean? Before. Because, know. you know, the notable thing in, in the comic books for, I don't know, I assume we've addressed this on the show before, but maybe we haven't. Um, Ravana Renslayer is the girlfriend of Kang in the comics. So, you know, the, the tie there, a, a lot of times in, in the MCU, they'll take things and not be so direct or literal. They'll just say, oh, they have a, a tether between them. They have a relationship. And here it doesn't have to be she has is actually the girlfriend so much as she has a closer relationship to um, Immortus or uh, he who remains character um, than previously revealed. But she's, she genuinely seemed um, surprised at the, the timekeepers being animatronic and that there's only one person instead of three later. So uh, how she's processing that and what her motivation are, are all a little bit suspect. And that's, that's what I'll say there. <laughs> uh, I, I, mean, I, don't, I know I don't have any idea. Like it just sort of felt like the, it feels like either the writers were just leaving it out there to give themselves some space or she's going to play a, sort of like a cameo role in some like movies coming out. Like maybe we'll see her in the background of certain movies where she doesn't even, maybe she doesn't even say anything. She's just like an extra in the background and you see her like going through different movies and trying to, and you sort of have to piece it together that way. That could be interesting. 
Right. Yeah. That could be the case. Um, were there other elements that, uh, that y'all were seeing in the episode that you wanted to touch on? What did y'all think of the design, the set design of the Citadel at the end of time with all the like paint splatter everywhere, black light, like to me, it felt a little like if there's this place in Kansas city called kaleidoscope. That's like a Crayola play place. And they have like a black light room where you can kind of like flick fluorescent paint at the walls and just, you know, for kids. Mm -hmm. And I just could not like think about that. Like it didn't feel like as menacing to me as maybe they were intending. There is, um, you know, I, I don't know if everyone knows the term and I didn't know it as well, but um, it, it's Kintsugi or Kintsokuroi, which is uh, the, the golden repair when like uh, pottery's uh, broken, uh, you repair it by uh, using gold to stitch it together. So it's even um, more valuable upon repair which is like, it's a Japanese uh, technique of repairing broken pottery. But you see that um, as traces all throughout the building and throughout a lot of the items, which, um, you know, I, I felt like it had the implication that this building was ancient and had been through iterations and been destroyed and repaired and rebuilt multiple times. And then we have that, that scene where Loki and Sylvie enter the room where there's three statues up but there's a fourth one that's been destroyed and that one had not been repaired since being destroyed but you see the crumbles of uh, of a fourth potential timekeeper so was there truth to there being timekeepers before immortus took over and in which case was he one of the timekeepers or did he um take the place of one did was was he one and then someone else stepped out of line and he destroyed their statue there's there's something going on that they're trying to tell us of about this this larger story um under the surface but there's only these little clues and i'm wondering if we're going to flesh that out more in loki season two i mean that that's a definitely good point because you don't put those details in there for no reason right and so do you think that do you think that uh Immortus was a, a timekeeper then, or did you think he found this construct and, and exploited it to um control the timeline to keep other kings out? I, you know, I think you're right. Like I think he probably it you know, the timekeepers probably did exist before Kang. But what if the kings like when they came when they came around, they're like, Oh no, 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 we're gonna kill all of you. Like and, Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, and he, one of the Kangs found a loophole, went and destroyed the timekeepers, and as a result, um, just took over the whole thing. That would that'd be kind of fascinating, too, because then it, it lends even more credence to the idea that our he who remains at the end is even more um, villainous and duplicitous than otherwise projected where, where he's trying to say, Oh no, I'm just trying to uh, protect all timelines from Kang. If he also went in there and destroyed the timekeepers and took that over, he's just the ultimate Kang, right? He's the one who beat all of them and became the true, truest conqueror. Here's your wild theory for tonight. Um, <laughs> Renslayer was the fourth timekeeper, which is why she still has such an allegiance to it all. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> nice. 
Nice. That that damn, that's a good okay. That yeah. Sense, especially if if she was somehow a timekeeper and then forgot and doesn't remember. Mm-hmm. Why? But there's something like that keeps that keeps her loyal to it. That no matter what happens, she still believes in the mission of the TVA and everything is because she is a timekeeper. She just doesn't know she is right now. The same way that they've altered everyone's memories, like like Hunter B fifteen and the other the hey, other one earlier. What about Casey, who doesn't understand what a fish is? What if he was a timekeeper? Ah, Casey. No, he just. He <laughs> I still variant. think Casey's also a Kang variant. So. We'll just say that. Yeah, well, I, I nice. thought Casey was variant from the good place. Like, he's the, <laughs> <laughs> he's the yeah. John Kelling says uh, maybe the broken statue was a Kang and Immortus broke it after ending the multiversal war. Uh, yeah, that's also interesting. Uh, I think, I think Melissa nailed it, though. Like, I, I think Melissa absolutely nailed it. I think that's exactly what's going on. She used to be, she was the fourth timekeeper. And Kang needed somebody to administrate or at least be there that knew what they were doing. And so she like he wiped her memory and she's like, that's why she's so committed to it. Mm-hmm. That makes complete sense. Hello, Marvel. Do you need a writer for season two? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be further discussion going on in the coming weeks especially once we get the trailer for the next spider-man movie um i I bet that'll open up even more um ideas and consideration of of what the ramifications are here um but i I did want to throw it back to you three to see if there's anything else you wanted to bring up before we do wrap up um will did you have anything any other uh closing thoughts i guess uh, I would just like to say that this season has exceeded my expectations from the initial trailer I saw. I'm definitely excited to see season two. Elliot? Uh, only thing I'll say, because I've said entirely too much this episode, uh, is that Owen Wilson, I don't think it's near the amount of credit he deserves. He He's just so great. He embiggens the entire series. I agree with there. It's it's good to see him back. I know that he took a, a hiatus from acting for a while, and I think he was a little bit overwhelmed. I hope that he has come back into acting and is feeling the love and embrace of, of the MCU audience that he deserves because uh, his performance is completely endearing and enriches the, the rest of the story and the rest of the cast. I agree there. Uh, Melissa? Uh, something that uh, just totally blew me away with this episode, and it owes a lot to the background of Tom Hiddleston, Sophia DiMartino, and uh, Jonathan Majors, was I loved how theatrical their scenes were. Like, in terms of, you could have set this on a stage at a theater in, you know, on Broadway or in the West End of London, and this would have just played off as this wonderful character study. And they... You can see their straight their stage training and experience, and also um, there was an interview that I read recently on EW, and Jonathan Majors was mentioning his training in um, a part of theater. I'm a huge theater nerd; like I grew up in like 
as a theater student. And uh, there's a part of theater called Commedia dell'arte that's from Italy. And there's like these stock archetype characters and like they're, they perform in different iterations, like the Harlequin is one of them. Um, so I felt that the way Majors played that role, he played it almost like one of those stock archetypes. So like he took that training and just totally like ate up the scenery with it. So I, as a theater nerd and someone who looks at things like this, um, I really, really appreciated that aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, for my part, I, I don't know if I've ever really touched on this with the MCU pod audience, but there was this show um, that I have quite an affinity for called Lost. Um, arguably one of the, the greatest television shows of, of all time. And it was so masterfully executed in a way that it could deliver uh, complex layers of, of, of mystery and Easter eggs and um, fan engagement, fan service, and, um, and cliffhangers and, and rewards and, and you know, emotional gravitas for everything. Um, it is such a fun, albeit, I, I admit, divisive show and a lot of shows try to um you know replicate that and most fail i'm not saying that that loki is trying to replicate that but i i think that it falls within a similar vein a, a similar pattern and trajectory with with what it was able to achieve here and it is that that just perfect sweet spot for me of, of a type of TV show that I cannot get enough of. Um, so it was, it was bittersweet for me to be watching this episode because I was like, well, this is everything I love. It is, it's got all this mystery. It's got, it's got room for such delightful discussion and theorizing after every episode. And then we got the final stamp on the TVA document that said a season two is going to be here. And ah, it's everything, man. It's, it's so good. I'm so excited. It is all the, all the things I, I was hoping it could be. And then more because it, it's, it's, it's the MCU by way of mystery, by way of, of weekly television. And it's, it's a lot of fun um, each week getting to discuss with y'all. So I've really appreciated that. I want to I want to do a, I want to do a solid for anybody listening. So if you want to know the depth, and I'm not making fun of you, Grant, like because like I was there. If you want to know the depth of Grant's love for Lost, there's a few episodes somewhere on YouTube. Go listen to like like the fifth or sixth season of Leog, a legal League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, extremely ordinary gentlemen that used to be on a website called Spill. You can just hear the love that Grant has for Lost because he's so engaged. It is is it's a joy to listen to. So go go try to look some of those up. Thanks. I actually on the the spill website's um, uh, discussion board. I ran um, months and months of an ARG on top of Lost, where group of people I would I would create a game running within the 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 show where it would. Uh, it was very nerdy, and I was very into the show. That's what I'll say. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, 
this has been a lot of fun getting to discuss this with all y'all. Um, I am excited for what if coming in a few weeks. I think we are going to take a break next week, but after that, I do plan on being back, barring barring any um, particular releases of trailers, which might merit a uh, an episode discussion. Um, we'll be back talking about something else tangentially related in the MCU. Um, you'll see a lot of uh, these familiar faces. I'll, I'll bug them and get some other people back here as well. Um, and uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun talking about it. I'm seeing all these comments here, like mentioning the, the Valenzetti equation numbers and shit. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to wrap up, but I'm excited about seeing the numbers here. <laughs> um, anyway. It's like uh, going to a cat. Would you like some catnip? <laughs> if Loki says we have to go back, I'm going to lose back. my mind. <laughs> Uh, but we're going to be back, um, you know, talking about what if in a few weeks, and that's going to be a lot of fun too. And I hope you guys stick around and join us. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. You know how to do that. And, uh, you can follow us on mcupod.com as well as our, uh, we, you know, we, uh, we have a Patreon. You can support us there if you want. And, uh, I'll do bonus little discussions here and there that are just for you guys where, uh, I go crazy and, you know, theorize and shit. Um, I want to thank you three for joining us this week. Um, Elliot, where can people find you? Here on the MCU pod. Find Elliot here. So all the more reason. Hit that subscribe button so we can follow Elliot. Melissa? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at the Televixen, or you can find me at my podcast's website, which is femtvpodcast.com. Right on. Um, William, at William Cardini, where can people find you? On <laughs> Twitter and Instagram and hypercastle.com is my website. I just put a new comic out. So check it out. Yeah, you did. I'm excited. I think uh, mine's in the mail. It I is. Wait to read it. Uh, you can find me at Baron Von Grant. You can find this at MCU Pod. You can find us at youtube.com slash MCU Pod. Uh, I also do a beer podcast, which you can listen to, which is The Beerus. It's releasing new episodes every Monday. If you want to hear, me be even cruder i don't know why anyone would want to but uh, i get a little cruder there you can listen to that um i also do a star trek podcast with mike uh, which is star trek pod star trek discovery pod you can check that out and we do uh new episodes um most thursdays i think we're currently alternating until one of the shows comes back out so it's every other thursday but we just talked about some character called q um, yes, on yesterday's podcast, I don't. He, he's a weird time traveling alien thing. I don't know. I'm, I don't know much about Star Trek, but you can check that out as well. Um, and I'd just like to point out that yes, that's the award-winning podcast, The Barris. You can listen to me on where I'm crude. Once again, it's very crude. Uh, thank you guys. We're going to be back <laughs> next week um, or the week after. I'll, I'll let you guys know. Just stay tuned. But um, oh my god. I was I was about to wrap up and I realized I forgot one thing. I have a video to share with everyone. Oh, you may have quit too early, some of you. You may have quit too early because I got a a delicious Loki video for you. I'm gonna play it right now.
all the all the times that he gets that hair out of his face. Oh, it's so good. That hair's rough. <laughs> it's beautiful and luscious, and he's he's a he's a he's a perfect specimen. I was like, I have hair envy, so I would love to be able to do that. <laughs> I hide mine under a hat, so I understand too. <laughs> um, all right, guys, we'll be back uh, soon, so stay tuned. And until then, MCU later.